Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avon Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories, where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women, and welcome to She Talks. Welcome home 
Today, I'm speaking with Nicole Jardim, the Young Women's Hormonal Health Coach, a writer, speaker, and creator of Fix Your Period. And you can find Nicole online at NicoleJardim.com. So, Nicole, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you today. I am as well. We've been in the same circle together for some years now doing similar work around supporting women with their cycles, and we've never had a chance to really connect like this one-on-one, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. So to dive in, we always begin our gatherings here at The Way the Happy Woman with a little personal check-in. Mm. So just to help ground us both together into this space and with the larger circle of women that will be convening with us. So Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to share where you're calling from today and how you're doing at the level of your body, mind, and heart. Absolutely. Um, Well, I'm calling from New York, from my apartment. And uh, New York has been home for about six years now, on and off, but now on. Uh, And my heart is, it's really open right now. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about about this book that you've written and just about all of these different things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, And, um, you know, as I've mentioned to you a little while ago, I've recently been through this breakup and uh, over a five-year relationship. So it's just been like a very interesting experience and just recognizing, uh, you know, how I can continually come back to my spiritual center when, you know, I'm in the midst of a very inconvenient, uncomfortable time. So it's it's all good. It's a good time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you and I were speaking before, before we went live here that it's, I know we'll we'll talk more about this in our interview, but yeah, seeing that as as the doorway in to to your light into the next season of your life. Yes, so absolutely. I look forward to exploring that more. Mm-hmm. And to start to lead us down that path, this path of the heroine's journey that we're exploring. We're exploring your heroine's journey. Mm-hmm. This has been a metaphor a narrative that has pretty much been absent from our lives as women. And how has it been for you as a woman growing up alongside the larger narrative of the hero's journey made famous by Joseph Campbell? Mm-hmm. Did you relate to that? Do you relate to that? How mm. how has that storyline been for you in your life? You know, when I when I um, saw this question, now I'm hearing it again. I was just really, it just really resonated with me because I was born and raised in Antigua, an island in the Caribbean, and uh, you know the societies in the Caribbean tend to be very male-dominated, chauvinistic. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a place where, you know, if you have two girl children, for instance, everyone encourages you to make sure you try for that boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just it's really a, a funny place to grow up in. But anyway, uh, you know, I find that, you know, there's been so there was all that background. But interestingly, on the flip side of that, uh, there are typically matriarchal societies because I feel that the women there are the ones who really step up and they become breadwinners and grandmothers are caretakers in many instances because many men are just absent for various reasons. Anyway, so that was the background for my childhood. And 
unfortunately, my dad passed away really suddenly in an accident when I was 11. So I went from being the oldest child in a relatively safe nuclear family set up to being the oldest daughter of a single mother who was completely falling apart emotionally after my dad's death. And uh, as I said, you know, in reference to what I was saying about the society that I grew up in, my mom soon felt like an outcast amongst her friends because she was the only single woman in their group now and she was beautiful. So there was this undertone of mistrust among many of her female friends. And eventually she, you know, she really lost a lot of her old friends and had to find new people to uh, you know, new friends in her life. And they ended up, you know, they were a lot younger, they were single. And, and that just that created a lot of insecurity for my sister and I as well. And as a result, my sister and I also lost many of our friends from my parents circle. So this was really confusing and upsetting for us, because we were treated as if we had done something wrong. And we too felt completely alienated as if we had done, you know, we'd just done something wrong. So I found myself um, continually not feeling very worthy of the friendships I had with other girls who came from these quote unquote perfect families. And that's a story I carried with me for many, many years. And those feelings of loss and uh, insecurity only became more prevalent as I moved into my teens and early 20s. And I watched my mom go through many failed relationships because she really just felt like she needed to have a man by her side in order to be valid and, and be a an upstanding person in our community. And, you know, it was amazing how not having a father made me feel like I had to prove something to everyone in this society I grew up in. And if not having that male presence left me at, you know, such a disadvantage that I would never actually make something of myself. Like that was pretty much how I felt. And of course I became the good girl, the perfectionist who was going to succeed at everything I did, no matter the cost. And I've, you know, in, in going referencing your book, I truly felt like I was a father's daughter, even though he wasn't physically present. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the hero's journey has shown up in my life, at least in my earlier years. Do you feel like that experience with your father leaving and the challenges that you had with other women, do you, do you feel like that led you to do the work that you're doing now? Yeah, most definitely. I, you know, I just distinctly remember, I, you know, I had tremendous period problems, like start that started around 16 or 17, which now looking back at my history doesn't surprise me. And, um, and I, I just remember being so lost and having no idea what to do. And, uh, you know, if I'd had somebody like me, uh, just telling me what was going on, and uh, even attempting to help, I feel like it would have completely changed the trajectory of my life. And so absolutely, there's no doubt. I mean, I remember distinctly getting into this work and thinking, okay, if I can just help one woman not go through what I went through, or at least not suffer as much as I did, then my work was done. It just needed to be one. So for the women who are listening now who don't have that much experience with tapping into the power of their cycles, and the information to, to heal their periods. Can you just share with us a little bit about why you're passionate about focusing so much on women's periods? I, I think that, you know, for me, when I was, when I started this business about four and a half years ago, I, I remember feeling like the word hormones was 
such an old lady term. I remember just thinking that, you know, it wasn't something that resonated with me at all. And whereas period problems had always resonated with me and that so many young women were coming to me experiencing some kind of problem related to their period. Nobody was saying, oh, yeah, my hormones are out of whack. They would say, well, my period is this, this and this. And I just felt so connected to that. And that was how I ultimately came up with the term fix your period because everyone had some kind of problem related to that. And it was just, it seemed really young and fresh, so to speak. And I just like, I really believed that, you know, for me, my own period problems resulted from the the upheaval that I experienced at such a young age, the emotional, and then of course the physical too, because we moved and so there was a lot of instability. And uh, and I just really knew that when it comes to your period, it's it's like a benchmark. I mean, it's like a report card, and it you know if if there's something going on there, then you know you've got to look a little bit deeper. And I just I'm just in love with doing that. Yes, and our physical health, I feel that it, it's stems from our energetic health. So just like you're saying, if there's something at the energetic, emotional, soul level that is out of whack or needing attention, that as women we have this great barometer every month, whether Mm. it's our periods or if we're later in life, just through our, our moods or our hormonal swings through perimenopause and menopause, that help us to know how we're doing and where we need to clean house in our lives. Most definitely. I mean, I distinctly remember a time um, where uh, at some point during this five-year relationship, there was there was another breakup. And I remember uh, coming home and because it's been a long distance thing for a long time. So I came back to New York and I it was like day 13 of my cycle. And suddenly I started bleeding and I was, so distraught. I mean, I was so distraught emotionally because of the relationship, but I just, like, I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And I knew immediately that it was because of the amount of emotional trauma and stress that I was feeling, and it was manifesting in, in such a profound physical way. Uh, and I bled until I got my next period. So it was two and a half weeks, which was unheard of for me. I'd never in 30 something years had that happen to me. Um, so I always ask women to to really check that to check in with that and find and see and pay attention to those signs and symptoms. And one of the things that I explore in the book of She is how these cycles are like a mini heroine's journey. Mm. And so as we start to bring in this narrative of the heroine's journey, whether it's the mini heroine's journey of our cycles, our hormonal cycles, or the larger journey of the arc of our entire lives, what comes to mind for you? I think that, you know, what's so important for us to understand is that we aren't men. And we, but unfortunately for so many of us still, we obviously live in a very patriarchal society and we are, you know, our work schedules, most of our lives are dominated by uh men who make these schedules and so it's just they're just not uh they're not conducive to a woman's cyclical nature and so i just really think that when we can start to tap into these you know the 
the daily cycle. We can even just start with our daily cycle, for instance, and and then tap into our weekly and then our monthly cycle. Uh, we can, you know, we can find a lot of strength in that. And I think that for many women, when they start to live more in sync with uh, what's happening in, internally, there, you know, so many things happen on the outside. I, it's amazing to me. I mean, women, fi- I find that like women find new jobs. They are able to, they get out of relationships that they're not happy in. I mean, they go on to do all kinds of amazing things that they didn't ever dream of. And it just comes back to, to being connected to that inner wisdom. And I'm curious about your mother, because as women, our mothers just create such a deep, groove within us about what it means to be a woman and what's possible for us as a woman and all of us are kind of holding the the apex of the evolution of our lineage of our maternal lineage mm-hmm. so you're continuing your mother's heroine's journey and as you look back at the story that you told you know when you were talking about what it was like to grow up within the model of the hero's journey you overlay the heroine's journey over your mother's life and your girlhood and coming of age what how how if at all does that change your view of your past yeah it's interesting when i think about the fact that she wasn't really that much older than i am right now when my dad passed away and so i think about how I would have handled that situation. And I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm just out of a, a breakup of a pretty long-term relationship. And I, you know, I felt like a complete mess on many occasions. And so it's really interesting now to look back and, and just witness what my mom went through and how, uh, you know, how she was so severely impacted. And, and I just, you know, I distinctly remember feeling like I had to step into that role, that mother role, especially for my younger sister and take charge. And, and I think that that has, you know, that stayed with me for a long time. So there, you know, we've had, my mom and I have definitely had to do a lot of work around that as well. Just, uh, you know, almost like stepping back out of that role and letting her be the mother, so to speak, in, you know, on this journey. What does she think about the work that you're doing now? She's incredibly proud of me and uh and very impressed by all of you know all of the work all of the people I'm helping and the different things that I'm doing um but she definitely keeps her distance. It's really interesting. I feel like there she's it's one of those situations, and I think this is very generational, where many women, at least this is what I hear from a lot of other women my age who have mothers that are similar in age to mine, uh, is that, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to really live out their dreams and do the work that they wanted to do or live the lives that they wanted to live. And as a result, um, there's maybe some kind of, um, there's some kind of disconnect there. And so I sense that in my mom. And I mean, like I said, she's really, really proud. But there is something there where I find like it's it's limited in how much we can talk about my work and how it's unfolding, how my life is unfolding. Hmm. And you mentioned this this breakup that you've currently endured, that you are enduring. Mm-hmm. 
a major life transition. Five years is, is a long time to share with someone. Yeah, it really is. How is this a rite of passage for you? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I think it comes back to, I guess I should start back about five five and a half years ago, I actually was married and I got a divorce and I ended up, you know, it, it was, it had become such a mess and partly because ending, um, you know, any kind of long-term relationship is, can be difficult, but also because I jumped right into the relationship that has just ended and it was with someone I felt I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. And uh, now that it's ended and I've been sort of working through this dark period, I've, you know, concluded that both of these times I, you know, I simply couldn't become the woman that I feel like I'm meant to be in this world without having these experiences. And there have been so many lessons on communication and authenticity. And uh, now that I'm moving back slowly into the light or seeing the light, uh, there's so much more conscious awareness than I ever had before. And I think that nobody really tells you how to deal with divorce or separation from long-term relationships. So um, for years, I felt like I floundered around and made you know, many damaging mistakes because I didn't have the emotional capacity to make more conscious decisions at the time. But now that I'm moving through this second phase, I really feel that um, everything's going to shift. My work is going to shift. My relationships will shift. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. What are the tools that have helped you both to be more conscious in relationship and in coming out of relationship? I think more than anything, uh, developing an emotional awareness that I, I definitely didn't feel like I had uh, six years ago when my divorce was happening uh, in that I, you know, I felt almost like I was insensitive in many ways and I wasn't able to communicate effectively how, uh, you know, how I was feeling and what needed to happen for us to move forward and move on on our own paths. And as a result, I kept uh, my ex-husband just sort of hanging on for a little bit longer because I was too scared to let go. And, and that's definitely come up this time around as well. But there just came a point in this situation where I knew, I, I mean, I just decided, okay, this is no longer serving me. This is no longer working for me and it has to end. Whereas before, I don't know that I would ever have done that. And that really comes for me from a place of knowing myself and knowing, you know, what's good for you. And I just feel that so many of us, we, you know, we beat a dead horse. We hold on longer than we should because of, uh, you know, fair has kind of taken over and we're forgetting about love and we've created, we're creating so much separateness in that. And so that's like, that's one thing, just really getting to know myself and, and do, I do that through many things, but a lot of that is just connecting to, um, my own internal wisdom and then also like asking my guides for help, like always asking for help. I have a little box. I put little notes in there to them. I'm just it's like lots of different things. I have a little altar where, I, uh, you know, I meditate every day. And so it's a lot of like coming back home to myself or at least trying to on a daily basis. And when you, when you are in a dark period, we all, I think, experience darkness 
a little bit differently, but also mostly in the same way. And we don't often talk about what it feels like for us or what what it's like for us to be in our darkest place. Yeah. What in in the darkest moments of this breakup, what 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 did that feel like for you? Oh my goodness. It's just the absolute worst. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where you just feel like this pain that you're experiencing might never end and that there is no light at the end of this tunnel and that you've lost this person and the security of that relationship is now gone. And of course, like you're almost mourning the, like the death of someone in a way. I mean, because technically they are no longer in your life. So it does feel that way. And yeah, so all of these things like deep feelings of insecurity and then the, my past perfectionism that shows up too, because I think, okay, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done more. And, and then, of course, beating myself up for feeling so bad, <laughs> feeling so stuck in these, in this spiral. It's like a death spiral. Uh, so all of this comes up. It's incredible how much you have to, um, how much work you have to do <laughs> to, to start to pull yourself out of this. And thankfully, I have an incredible community of friends who have been there 100%. And I think that more than anything, sisterhood is... Uh, it's what has pulled me out of this, or at least helped to pull me out of this. I don't know how I would have done it otherwise. And if you could go back and and speak to yourself at the end of your last marriage, or the end of your marriage, or even before your marriage, you know, 10 Mm -hmm. years ago, what... What would you tell that younger self? Like, what do you know now that you wish you had known then? Uh, the million-dollar question. <laughs> I feel like, I, you know, I, t- I would tell my younger self, be patient and just be loving to yourself. Speak to yourself with kindness and compassion. Don't be so hard on yourself. Lack of self-esteem and self-worth only bring about feelings of separation and anxiety, and they force you to continually look outside of yourself for validation when it's all there. You just need to to look within. And also, too, that perfectionism is so dangerous to your physical and emotional well-being, and perfection is unattainable. And, in fact, it's a myth. I feel like those are the the key things I would tell myself. And in seeing younger clients now, too, I see so much of this sort of 20-year-old angst coming up and it's interesting how that starts to shift as you as you get older get into your 30s how has that shifted for you like in specific ways well I'm most definitely much more loving to myself I mean I think about what I the things I used to say to my body when I you know looking in the mirror in a bathing suit at 20 or 25 years old it was the most ridiculous thing in fact I remember most of my 20s I didn't even wear I wouldn't wear shorts or skirts above the knee I was I like had such a hate for my legs that I just I wouldn't wear anything shorter than what was above my knees it was ridiculous and so I think about the fact that I spent so much time obsessing about this and stressing that, uh, you know, it literally took time away from me enjoying my life. And so that's one thing where I just, I cared so much about what I looked like physically. And, um, and then, you know, when it comes to the emotional side of things, I mean, 
to not, you know, I, I've definitely like, eased up on myself in such a, <laughs> such a way. It's amazing. I look back and think about how hard I was on myself about the grades I got in school and the work that I was doing. And if I didn't get everything I needed to get done, then I was a complete failure. All of those kinds of things, I mean, to me, have completely dissipated. I, I, you know, sometimes obviously it comes back, but for the most part, I, I do not think like that anymore. And you've mentioned a little bit about some of your daily rituals, your daily practices to help you kind of, you know, if we go off course and let the perfectionist take over, that these practices help to bring us back home to ourselves. You mm. mentioned the practice of writing little notes and putting them in a box for your guides. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just, I created a, a cute little box it's on my dresser and um it's for communication with my guides and so just on i have these just little post-its really i write down just a question or something specific that i really like help with and i just fold it up and i stick it in my box and and i set an intention with it and um that's so that's one thing that i really like to do and i think it's kind of fun i also really like to when i feel completely lost I I just I like to ask for a sign. So sometimes I'll, you know, pick an object, something I see, and uh in or you know, like I'll ask, like I said, ask for a specific sign um to show me something specifically. And um you know, and like usually within a day or two I either find this object, I see it on the street or something like that, or I, you know, I have some kind of intuitive hit, whether it's a dream or something else shows up. So those are like two of my favorite things to do and amongst um, others, like, you know, just having a sacred space for me to just connect with myself every day. And, um, you know, just it's like a little corner of my apartment. And I just put a little bit of of time aside each day to connect with myself and connect with my intuition. Um, just, you know, because again, just like any relationship in our lives, right, in order for it to grow, we, we must invest quality time into it. And, and that's the relationship with myself. And I always try to encourage my clients to do that too. Are there specific ways when you go into your sacred space that you like to connect with yourself and your intuition? Yeah, I, but one of the first things is um, journaling. I write about a page or two a day. Uh, just I like this idea of intuitive writing and just, again, like st- getting into that space, maybe lighting a candle. Um, and, you know, one of the things I really like to do is, you know, I'll like write a question, for instance, whatever it is that I have going on, kind of like what I would do with my little box. And, um, and then, you know, and I really... I ask the question, I put it out there, and then I just start to write because usually the answer will come to me. That's one of the things I really like to do. And if you could help to rewrite this global narrative that we're all working on together as women about our rites of passages and our journeys into empowerment, what is one thing you would want to be sure to include in that? Oh, my goodness. I really feel that body awareness and understanding what is going on in our bodies is something that I would I would most definitely want to include. I feel that we are, it's almost like an epidemic in a way where women, modern women are so disconnected and unaware of 
what is happening in their bodies. And I use this analogy often where um, I get the impression from many women, and myself included at one point, is that you know we almost take our bodies to the doctor just like we would take our car to the mechanic and hope that they can fix it and return it to us all fixed and nice and pretty again. Um, and I just, I really feel so strongly that the, a lack of consciousness around how our bodies are functioning has been incredibly detrimental to modern women. And in fact, I really feel that the way women's bodies function, it's, it's obviously so intricate that we're, we're like a canary in the coal mine. And what is happening on a global level uh, with women's health and just the breakdown of women's health in general, especially women's reproductive function, is... Um, you know, a very clear sign of um, an underlying problem that is, you know, that that spans the entire planet. And we have to, I mean, I just feel so strongly that we have to do something about that. So I feel that that would be the one thing to include. It's just an under, a clear understanding for women about how their bodies function. Mm. Well said. Yeah, that is such a canary in the coal mine. Mm. Yes. And since our heroine's journeys never end, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ain't that the truth? What feels like your growing edge, your next frontier on this journey? Oh boy, I feel like deepening my spiritual practice, like really continuing to do this work because, I mean, I, I'm far from perfect around this. I feel like I I do a lot of the things that I feel really resonate with me, but, um, you know, I feel like there's always more, like you said, and strengthening my ability to, uh, you know, sort of like be the image maker in my life. So creating this image of, um, you know, love and acceptance rather than putting out this image of doubt and separateness and fear that, you know, can come up a lot during times of, um, you know, like during times of conflict or inconvenient emotional times, like after a breakup, for instance. And so, yeah, like just strengthening my ability to come back home to myself in these times that are not so comfortable. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been a pleasure to have you and... Thank you for your open, honest vulnerability and and sharing about your heroine's journey. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so grateful to have been able to have the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you so much. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.